Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. On episode 21 of the Green Street Hammers podcast, we're back for an abbreviated podcast talking about all the West Ham news over the past two weeks, as well as previewing the Fulham match. Keep it locked on the Green Street Hammers podcast. All right, welcome back to the Green Street Hammers podcast. Uh, it's a two-man crew here, myself and Jeff, uh, for episode 21. Jeff, how are we doing? Doing great. Glad to be here. Perfect. Me too, and I'm happy that we're back. We, we took a little hiatus as well, the Premier League did, but um, it's maybe a good point to to start here. And, and uh, West Ham spent uh, a few days in Spain with some warm weather training. Um, and I want to start with this uh, when it comes to the warm weather training. People were saying, oh, what a way to reward your team after they fall, they drop out of the FA Cup, after performing poorly, and so on and so on and so on. Do you see any problem with a team, whether they're succeeding or struggling, going away uh, as a unit to train in some warmer climates? No, not at all. I don't, I don't think it's a problem on the pitch, and I don't think it's a problem off the pitch. Um, especially, I think, for our club, West Ham, I think they've shown that they respond to this type of thing. I think it's great to get the guys away. Whether or not they're going out at night and singing uh, bubbles in a pub is irrelevant <laughs> because it gets the group together and their family and distractions are away. And so they're putting in the work during the day on the pitch. And then if they want to go out and bond at night, I think that's fantastic. I think that would be great for any club and any sport or any organization. Even businesses do it and they call it team building, right? I think that's what this is. And I think as it relates to the work on the pitch, to get them into a place where they can focus uh, regardless of what the past results have been, regardless of what form they're in, I think it's I think it's a plus. Yeah, and I think that's something that gets overlooked a lot, the whole team-building chemistry aspect of it all, because a lot of people think of it just as, like I had mentioned before, the criticisms about it being a reward, quote-unquote, uh, even when your team is not performing well. And you know what? West Ham haven't, haven't you know succeeded to the likes of how we thought they would, especially in the League Cup so and the FA Cup. So, um you could view it like that, but the other side of the coin is basically that uh, the team is gelling more on and off the pitch. So uh, I don't know if you've heard a lot about other athletes and whatnot too, but they're probably, it's I, mean, I would assume, warm in Spain, hence the warm weather training. So they're getting up, doing their morning routines, training probably late morning into the afternoon, probably going back, cleaning up, shower, maybe a nap for an hour or two, and then out for dinner. Like, there's not a ton of free time, and no, they're, they're right back to training in London. Yeah, I think you're right. I think they would be. If they were at home, they would be going home and doing whatever as well. So that my point is they're all together, and if they're going out for dinner or they're going out to the pub, they're doing it together, 
as a unit and as a group. And I think if you take a look at where this club is coming out of the January transfer window into this international break, I think it's key because obviously with the whole Mar Marco Arnautovic saga and the way that played out and him coming mm. back in the club, I think this is the time to do that. And I think it's excellent to have everybody get back on the same page. Uh, then you talk about some of the players that have been out injured that appear to be hopefully uh, fitness tests going into the Fulham match on Friday night maybe that also gets those guys back into the fold and I think it I think on a number of fronts I think it's excellent for West Ham to be doing this right now and I think you could ask athletes in any sport if going away like this is a reward I think most of them would say no it's not a reward we're going out and we're gonna have to train and be in meetings and get away from our families to whereas the status quo and the same old same old as you mentioned being in London and going to rush green that's almost like the reward that's the give up you could make the case that this is absolutely the right thing to go out and do this because of the way that they've played. They need the training camp. They need to refocus their efforts. And I think uh, over the last little bit, as they've come out of these international breaks, or certainly when they've gone to to other countries to train, I think it's been a positive experience for the club. I, I cannot disagree with that take there. And I'm happy that you brought up the, the point of, of injuries. Um, but even outside of that, um, there's two notable omissions from the team that traveled to Spain, one of them being Samir Nasri. He picked up a calf injury, I believe, in training earlier in January uh, and has been out ever since. And the other one is Lucas Perez. And we're going to start with Nasri. Uh, it appears he has made a pretty miraculous recovery this week. He's been, uh, according to Pellegrini, training all week and is in contention for the squad come Friday, which is an early match week. Uh, so... As far as West Ham's squad is concerned, uh, do you think there's a place for Nazri on the bench starting whether it, either either position with Lanzini there as well and even the likes of Snodgrass? I think we'll get to Lanzini in a second, of course. That's going to be the big storyline going into this Friday night's game. But as you, as you look at Nazri, I think the answer is yes, of course. If he's fit in the little bit that we've seen him play before, he was a difference maker on the pitch in that particular role. Now, you could also make the counterpoint that West Ham, through the long haul of this campaign, has been at its best with a three-man midfield of Mark Noble, Declan Rice, and Robert Snodgrass. And if you take two of those three, Rice obviously playing a little bit different position, and we all know what Declan Rice brings, Nasri's better than both of those other two guys when he's fit and firing, and he showed glimpses of that uh, earlier on in the season when he joined the club in January. So I think, yes... If he's fit, he's going to be in contention to start, depending on what tactics Pellegrini's going to bring forward for this particular game. Or he's going to be on the bench, depending on what other players are healthy and who's going to, who's going to be fighting for those spots and what he wants to do. But I think that's a good problem to have. I think every club wants to have competition for places. I think, obviously, the manager wants to make decisions from a position of strength and not have the squad pick itself because he has too many people that are injured. And look... We all follow West Ham. We understand what that means. And one of those things it means is we always seem to have injuries to key players at key times or inopportune times. I think most other clubs have that too. We just don't follow them on the day-to-day -day like we do our own club. But I think Nasri would be a welcome addition uh, to the club on Friday if, in fact, he is fit. I, I think that you're right about that, especially the, the whole squad not picking itself due to injuries. That's an interesting point. It's something we haven't really had the opportunity to – uh, you know, explore this season. Uh, so it should be interesting to see. And what's kind of nice, uh, and like you said, we'll get to Lanzini in a, in a bit, um, is the give and take you can sort of have with Lanzini coming off long-term injury, Nazri coming off short-term injury. 45 minutes each seems like a fair split for me, and, and you sort of jump in and see where that goes. 
Um, but before I, we have to keep pumping the brakes, uh, before we get to Lanzini, um, let's talk about Lucas Perez. Uh, he had been dropped previously this season for not having the right mentality and training. Um, then he bounced back, played well, scored in, uh, the FA cup, I believe. Uh, and he's looked a little bit better. Uh, and then now all of a sudden he's not traveling with the team. And last week X confirmed that, uh, uh, Lucas Perez has been left out of the warm weather training uh, because he probably linked to his move to, uh, to not going through to Spain. Uh, but but basically, he hasn't impressed uh, Manuel Pellegrini with any of his attitude at training when it comes to matches. So he was left out and uh, left to stay in London. Do you think there's any coming back for him this season or is he basically dead wood on the team right now? Well, not to cop out, but yes, I think to both. I, th- I think there's always a way back for players, and I think sometimes those things are out of their control. We just spent some time talking about injuries. Mm. You know, God forbid Marco Arnautovic comes back and he re-aggravates whatever's been ailing him, uh, either mentally or physically, or, or we're down a guy, or, we, or Chicharito gets hurt. I mean, we don't have a bunch of strikers on this club in full fitness ready to make an impact. When we do, then I think, yeah, who needs him? Who, who needs the attitude? And I think that would go for any player on this on the pitch but sometimes those things have a tendency to work themselves out I think it's glaring as we just spent five minutes or so talking about how important this training camp was for the club and for team building and camaraderie and he's not there that seriously creates a divide with his teammates Uh, but beyond that I think it sends a message to his teammates and I think it's one that keeps the power of this club firmly in the grips of Manuel Pellegrini which is where it should be which is if you're not doing your bit you're not going to be part of this thing. And I think that anytime a manager can do that, I think it's a positive within reason. And I think that's kind of where he is right now. And let's face it, if the guy was tearing it up this year, it would probably be a bit of a different story. So he has an opportunity to make an example of a player who has had some, but mostly little impact into the side throughout the season. And what's crazy is I think if you really look at it, he's West Ham's second best striker this season behind Arnautovic. Uh, I'm going to take Antonio out of the equation. Although if there was injuries, I think we would see Antonio become the next choice striker. If one of the main two go down, Andy Carroll somehow gets hurt again, uh, or Zonde Silva doesn't get the call. I think you see Antonio move over to the center of the pitch first. But that being said, I think if you like genuinely look at, look at stats, look at individual performances, uh, Perez has one points for West Ham more than Chicharito has and more than Andy Carroll has. So I think if he if he just had the mental strength to sort of persevere in this scenario and then earn a move out, completely different when it comes to you know how he's viewed in the West Ham world. But he's basically ensured that he's going to be viewed as uh, a blip on the radar and nothing of note. So that's kind of sad based on the talent I think he does have. Um, but... We'll move on. I think we, we both agree that the you know injuries are always something that are out of our control. Right. If worst comes to worst, maybe you see him back. But I, I do think, like you said as well, Deadwood seems to be an appropriate way to describe him. Um, anytime, you get, anytime you get sent off to train with the under-23s, that's not a good sign. No, 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 no. Especially when you see the likes of uh, under-23 graduates or, or under-23 standouts training with the first team instead when right. there's the opposite happening. Yeah, not good. Not a good luck. Um Let's cruise along through some more West Ham news. Um, there's been transfer talk that 
uh, Gary Medel, Medel, the Basictus center mid slash uh, fullback cover that we were looking at in January, who was supposed to come for either free or on a very uh, team-friendly fee. Uh, that was then, I think, raised to four million pounds, which was still doable, and then raised to eight million. And uh, Pellegrini said, uh, "Take a lap." Uh, Gary Medel, Medel wants to come to West Ham. Uh, he's out of contract this summer, so he would be signing a deal. I believe he's 31 years old as of right now. Uh, do you think that West Ham are going to circle the wagons on a free transfer for Medel next season? I think they'll have other options first. I think you know one of the things that we've learned is, and we know, is that. Trying even signing guys on a free at 31 years of age is a bad move. But remember, we signed Carlos Sanchez as kind of a cover position. He's 32 years old, uh, and you know, again, long-term injury. But when he did play, and a couple now there was one glaring error he made that you know had the supporters up in arms early in the season. But he also had, yeah, yeah, he also had a couple decent games in there. And when you're talking about these players that come on a free, even at 31, it's not what you want to see. But if they're cover, they're low risk, low reward. So you bring someone like that into the club, maybe he makes the bench, maybe he doesn't, maybe uh, he's injury cover if you need him, and it's very low risk. But what you don't want to see from a West Ham supporter is you don't want to see a continuing transfer policy of signing players beyond their prime. We need to be looking for more players on the cheap, and this is easier said than done, like Issa Diop, who was signed for relatively inexpensively, and he's 22 years old, and he is a regular starter in the first 11. And so whether he has a long-term future at West Ham or he's spun for other assets, that's good business. And I think signing a player on the other side of 30 or 31 is rarely good business. So when you get him on a free, it's low risk, it's low reward, and maybe he takes the place of someone like a Carlos Sanchez who hasn't been able to play this year, and that's what his role on the club becomes. Yeah, I want to think that they're not going to be in for a player like him. Um, but again, time will tell. West Ham spent a lot of their budget on two players last season in the summer. Sorry, uh, being Felipe Anderson and like you said, Issa Diop, who came in, I think, at around $60 million for the pair. So if if Gary Medell signs in August, uh, in the last week of August, because they're looking to fill out their team, that could be a completely different understanding. And like you said, that would be more along the Carlos Sanchez lines. As well, if West Ham end up going on a late-season push and getting Europa League football, that's another tournament they're playing in, and you need another set of players to sort of bolster your team. Uh, so does that? That's a- yeah, does that does that factor in? Sure, or, I think it, I think it does. You know, and and as well, I mean, we signed Gokin Torre uh, and uh, Arbeloa and uh, Faguli, who is coming off a hat trick. Uh, for uh, Galatasaray in Turkish Super League. So we signed those players when we got into Europe basically as extra players to thicken the squad. Um, I think you can see something similar happening. And then as well, he's Chilean, so is Pellegrini. I think there's a, a mutual respect there for each other. Uh, and he does have uh, he does like bringing in South American players, as we have seen. So um, it's an option. But again, I think if it's the first move we make, it's not a very good omen. Um for, for the team moving forward. Um, I think that's the big takeaway there is you know, going into the summer, there's going to be a transfer a policy. There's going to be a plan, I would like to think, especially year two under Pellegrini. And so those, yes, those would be guys that we would look be looking at at the end or based on the fact that we're going to be playing more games because we're in Europa League football, which, hey, that's a fantastic problem to have. But you don't go into the summer going, hey, let's sign some 31-year-old midfielders. Exactly. But if you can make some value signings based off of free, free agents to support your already active transfer market plays, I think that's, we would both agree, is a wise move. Um, another move that could be sort of viewed in the same light 
is rumors, I think they're coming from Claret and Hugh, that West Ham are already ready to uh, to trigger the extra year clause or two year clause on Samir Nasri's contract after him playing in, I believe, two games for the team and being out injured ever since. Is this a little bit premature from West Ham? I think so. And I, I saw that same note and I don't remember. I thought it was a one year extension, but maybe it's two. And the reason why I make that distinction is because to me, it's a different ball game altogether. If we're talking about triggering a one year clause for next year, I'm fine with it. If it's two years, now he's eating up wages over the next couple seasons that I would like to see that going to other players that we just outlined here and what the transfer policy should be over the summer and what the squad building policy is going to be. I just think we haven't seen enough of him yet. Have we seen positives? For sure. But let's, let's let the season play out. We don't have to make any of these decisions. And we, the club, doesn't have to make any of these decisions now. They can make these decisions later on in the spring or even in May. So I think that's what they should do is kind of hold up on it. Yeah, I, I I think there's no yeah, need I, I, there's no need to make the decision right now. So um, I would have to agree with your sentiment there. Something I don't I didn't really anticipate happening was how well Nazri's reportedly gotten along with the team and how well he plays with them. Did you see him sort of jumping in and gelling? No, I didn't really know much about him. I mean, I remember him at Man City. Um, but that wasn't someone that I just jumped on top of mind. And so I knew about his problems and he'd been gone for so long that I just always question what these guys still have left in the tank, what their motivations are physically, what can they still do? And so I've been, you know, again, it's very, very small sample size here, but what I've seen so far, he's noticeable. When you watch these matches, sometimes it's easy to see just based on the eye test of players that stand out, players that make an impact and players that just run around and don't do anything. And I think we could easily identify players along both of those lines at certain points this year for West Ham and I think Nasri's been one of the former he definitely passed the eye test and the limited action that we've seen him so let's get him healthy here let's let him jump in for the last what do we have 11 or 12 matches left and let's see what he can do in the playing time that he gets and then make those decisions I agree um cruising right along to our next West Ham news story here um, two sort of points that we can address them together one is that the pitch uh carpet change from green to Claret with a little bit of blue on it has been confirmed by X, who is also uh, very cheekily going on about uh, how he knows when it will be installed. Uh, it said later this season, and it has been ordered uh, as of January, which came from the uh, West Ham supporters meeting minutes that were published. So it's been ordered. It'll be installed this season for use, which is great news for us. And as well, the lower tiers of the Sir Trevor Brooking and Bobby Moore stands, uh, which are the goalpost ends of the pitch, are being moved uh, up to four meters closer to the pitch, and they're being squared squared off. Um, so you're not going to see the round athletic stand type seats. You're going to see that squared off behind the, the net making, um, I think so realistically, when do they say four meters? When you look at the pitch behind the nets, the, it arcs from corner to corner. The biggest improvement is going to be those middle seats coming forward, but you're going to have a solid square stand behind uh, behind the nets. And it's going to sort of bring more of that football feel to it. Um, just looking for your general thoughts about the London Stadium, how West Ham sort of stepping in and transferring uh, their imp- their uh, imprint onto the stadium, and if you think West Ham are so- slowly starting to make that feel like home. Yeah, I think so. Obviously, anytime a club moves to a new stadium, regardless of who it is, the first year there's always some teething pains. I think West Ham certainly went into that, and then you had all the other troubles with Pae and the rest that were happening at the same time, and it all kind of conspired against them. And so the stadium is a very 
easy scapegoat at times. But I think this year in particular, the club has embraced it more. I think they're just flat out used to playing on it more than they were before. It's a different feel. And I think when I saw these changes, I was really happy because I think anything that adds to the atmosphere is going to be an improvement, I think, mostly for the players, but also for the supporters and the experience of going to a West Ham match. That's going to be fantastic. But I think, you know, the other interesting thing about the carpet change and the stands being moved in, which that part won't happen until next season, I think it's going to kind of give a little bit diff- different perception on the pitch for the players. And that was mm-hmm. one of the things that was talked about a lot when the club moved over, what's well, they can't really pick out their passes as well. They can't really change direction of the of the ball as well because everything's so far away. It's hard for them to get a visual kind of depth perception thing here going. And I think all this stuff, look, it's probably they're professionals. It's a lot of smoke and mirrors and a lot of BS, I think, at times. But if any of that stuff helps them get more comfortable in what they're doing and helps it feel more like home and helps it feel more like a fortress, it's going to be great in the long run. And I'll say this about the stadium because I don't live there for one thing, but I've got to believe, and I do believe this, the way that the board handled the move and the promises that were made directly as it relates to the stadium were all blown out of proportion on their end. And they made mistakes in the way that they handled it PR wise, which obviously we could go on and on about that. (laughs) But my point is this, you don't invest money like $42 million in Felipe Anderson the year after you invest $28 million in Arnautovic and $22 more million in Issa Diop without the influx of cash from the stadium, too. That is a part of this. And in order for West Ham to have those aspirations and be the best of the rest outside of the top six, the move to the stadium was critical. It was just handled in the wrong way. I don't think I can add too much more to that because it was actually – very wide scoping and eloquent and and uh i don't know too many west ham fans that would disagree with that um the only thing i can add basically is that you you know from a standpoint of pride uh people always say opposition always say oh it's not it's an athletic stadium it's not a football stadium you getting west ham printed on the carpet getting the claret and blue down there squaring off the stands already have adding billy bonds to the uh to the to the stand names and actually the season tickets are going to reflect that now with pictures of whose stand you're a part of which is really awesome um a nice little little bit uh, a bit of uh added detail there for the club they're doing the right things and they're slowly starting i don't think they anticipated as much of a battle with the owners of the london stadium as they do uh as they're currently in but it's coming west ham's way more and more now um, but yeah, I think we, we both agree they're on the right track and, and, you know, they, they could have been a little bit more transparent about how long it was going to take and the troubles they may have faced, but, um, they needed probably to lie to the West Ham fans to sell them on it, even though a lot of them weren't along for that ride. Um, what we can do here, we have uh, a few minutes left. Uh, I'm going to let you call time when you're, when you have to tag out here, but, uh, we'll jump into a quick preview for the Fulham match. Um, the first thing I want to know is uh, Fulham have a team that looks better on paper than it is performing in the Premier League this season, as we had seen from a, an injured West Ham team take a 2 nothing win away to them earlier this season. With them coming to the London Stadium right now, with the introduction of Ryan Babel, uh, Babel, Babel, and uh, Lazar Markovic on the wings, both fast, uh, speedy players, do you see a different look for this Fulham team? And do you think there's going to be any potential banana skin type situations for the Hammers to deal with? No, I really don't. Uh, for I think it's partly because of the international break, and I hate the international break because I miss football and I miss wa- watching West Ham, of course. But I think in all seriousness, coming out of the break, and we've already covered this and what it means for the club, 
so really putting the Arnautovic saga behind them well in the rearview mirror, the potential of Nasri coming back into the side. And I think we're, it's about time to talk about Manuel Lanzini being on the bench for this match and the lift that's going to bring. It's a Friday night game in East London. I really don't see any, I'm going to be very confident in going into this match and I expect West Ham to find a way to win. It may not be three, nothing or four, one, but Hey, a nice two, nothing again, or even a two, one would be great. Uh, more than one goal is always the goal for me, but I expect them to come out and I expect them to uh, be on the front foot immediately. And that's, that's kind of how my perspective is going into this match. And I know Fulham has got to do something because you're right. They're a lot better on paper than they, there are in the table. I think they're 19th right now. Uh, they have a, a shipped many, 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 many goals. Their differential is, I think, minus 33. So they've had trouble, and uh, they're on a little bit of a skid right now. They've also had the benefit of having this time off, and I'm sure they're thinking that they want to get things in order on their squad as well. But I just feel like everything is pointing towards West Ham playing well on Friday night, starting this next run of games. And uh, West Ham do have some notable names coming back to the starting 11, or at least the bench. Uh, who do you think's presence will be more uh, impactful on the team, Manuel Lanzini or Fabian Balbuena at center back? Uh, Balbuena at center back, I think, because it's just easier, I think, to make an impact. First of all, when we talk about Manuel Lanzini, I want to just say let's tap the brakes. We all love Manuel Lanzini. We understand what he means to the club. But let's also understand in any sport, when an athlete tears up their knee, whether it's an ACL, an MCL, or a complete reconstruction, whether you're a, an American football player, a soccer player, a basketball player, you you may come back from that. Adrian Peterson for the Vikings came back from an ACL in nine months and was like the freak of nature and actually had a great year. But most times when these athletes come back, they come back and they're 100% healthy and they can play, but it takes them a certain period of months after that again barring there's no setback to really be the player that they were before. So I think, you know, Nasri is just coming off a short-term injury. He's been training. He's been training since December. He's going to be able to make an impact into the match for a longer period of time than Lanzini. Plus, I think the club is going to be cautious with Lanzini, and they should. So if Lanzini makes the bench, I think that's a victory. I think if he makes the bench and gets a run out of 15 or 20 minutes, I think 45 minutes, as you mentioned, would be really ambitious. But I think it's going to be small steps, and I think it's going to have to be over the course of the rest of this season how Lanzini grows into uh, the team, how he grows into being back in football shape again. And I think it will be next year in August before we really see, in my opinion, the real Manuel Lanzini. Look at Aaron Cresswell. He didn't have a knee injury, but he had a serious injury to his Achilles, and it's taken the better part of almost this year before we've seen him round into form, and I think most of that was the result of the injury. So I think it's going to be awesome lift for the supporters and for his spirits and for the team to have him on the bench if, in fact, he makes it for Friday. But I think let's tap the brakes a little bit on what impact he really is going to be able to make in the limited time that he gets. Yeah, I would say Balbuena as well, just because I think he could factor in for an, a longer period of time, albeit I don't know people are suggesting that I'll Bond is going to keep his spot. Um, but like you said, the mentality of Lanzini being back and that excitement, I think you could see um, another fire lit under Marco Arnautovic. And uh, Pellegrini did say that, you know, Arnautovic played well last season, but a lot of his goals included build up play uh, or assists from Lanzini himself. So it should be a good one two punch back in the West Ham lineup. Oh. And you mentioned Ugbana. He's been okay here recently, but look, when he came in for Balbuena, Balbuena and Diop were playing great together. Underrated, I mean, yeah. Opinion, 
underrated in my mind. You know, you could make a case. The general just made the great play, the simple play, the solid play, week after week after week, very few mistakes. And, you know, look, there's a lot of contenders for Hammer of the Year, and we all know who those players are. <laughs> but but the beginning of the year, quietly, and as you mentioned, underrated, Bell Buena could have been in that conversation too. And what a signing he's been. So although Angelo Ogbonna, he's performed his role, right? He's an extra center totally. back. He's the third center back. He can spell these guys. That's what he's done. He's come into the side. He has been overexposed at times, but let's not overexpose him. Now it's time for Bell Buena to get back into the squad and take the place that he had before. I don't think Angela Ogbonna has done enough to earn his spot and keep Balbuena out. All right, and to finish off here, let's go back to the question of strikers. Are you going to start Arnautovic, Chicharito, or a 4-4-2 or 4-2-2-2 system where both feature? I think, I think he's going to go back to uh, starting both. Uh, that seemed to work well. I think uh, Chicharito and Arnautovic will get the start. I think it'll be a 4-4-2. I think most everything else will be the same. Anderson will be in the lineup. I think Noble, Snodgrass, and Rice will be in the midfield. Um, I think hopefully we'll see Balbuena, and then we'll see who makes the bench, if it's Lanzini and Nasri both or it's one or the other, and, and we'll kind of go from there. But I think, you know, one thing about Pellegrini, and I don't see any reason why this would stop against a club like Fulham, is he has gone into these matches with the intent to win even against the big clubs. And so I think that is going to be his intent, and I think we'll see that in the team that he puts out there on Friday night. I'm torn. I think he wants to get those creative midfielders like Nasri or Lanzini in the game, but it could be sacrificing a striker, uh, one of the two strikers up top in the second half for another, an extra midfielder. Um, so we'll see exactly uh, where that pans out. Any final thoughts on the game? Well, just one more on that, and I think you brought up an interesting thing. Is you know one of the criticisms of Pellegrini that we've had and, and other pundits have had is that when the team is behind in a match, he tends to throw a bunch of forwards up there and take midfield players off to try to get goals. When really, there's another theory which you should put midfield players on to help transition the ball from defense, keep possession, and then set up your strikers. So maybe that's a different tactic when we have this. Uh, I wouldn't say glut of midfielders, but if we're able to have Nasri and Lanzini available to play and one of them does get the start and we have another one that we can bring off the bench and so if things aren't going our way, we can, can kind of flood the midfield rather than flood more strikers up front. I think that's an interesting tactic that he really hasn't had at his disposal uh, up until this point. All right. Well, Jeff, if you're good with that, I'm good with that too. Um, I'm going to go for a 3-1 finish. What do you think? Okay, I'm going to say 2-1, but hey, 3-1 would be fantastic. But either way, I think I think West Ham comes out of the break looking strong, and I think uh, they win in somewhat relative ease for them and bag all three points heading into the weekend. Well, I like where your head's at too, and until next time, we will talk to you later. Let's go West Ham. Come on, you Irons. Come on, you Irons. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. 
Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.